It's the Podcaster News Show, where the editors of podcasternews.com share their insights on a wide range of podcasting topics. Welcome to episode number 26 of Podcaster News Show. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am joined by... This is Jen Thorpe. And we are back to talk to you about some of the news items that have happened in the podcasting world over the last couple weeks that we think are worth noting but are not necessarily worth adding to the main blog site. So, Jen, what do you have for us to start off this episode? Okay, well, I have an article here on Quartz that was written by Josh Morgan, and it is titled, Data Confirm That Podcasting in the U.S. is a White Male Thing. Which I find somewhat disconcerting, yet not surprising. Um, So what he did, uh, he noticed that this article is sort of in reference to another article um, talking about podcasting and diversity. So he read that other article, and then he decided to put together some stats to figure out, you know, okay, so is it really, you know, dominated by white men? And uh, what he did was he selected 1,470 podcasts from iTunes U.S., because it's the world's largest podcast directory. So he picked that one to start okay. with. Mm-hmm. Then he looked for photos of the podcast hosts in order to tell what race they were. Okay. So he was able to find that for 800 podcasts. So he started with 1,470, knocked it down 800, because he needed photos of the hosts, right? All right. Okay, so he had that, 800 podcasts now. All right. And uh, then he uh, looked at the photos and other info, and he recorded the host's primary race dash ethnicity comma gender and the number of months that the podcasts were active. Okay. So he also reduced the sample to only podcasts with hosts based in the United States. So he ended up with 537 podcasts that he got data from. So that's okay. where he got it from. That's where it's coming from and, and how he narrowed it down. He found that 85% of American podcasts that he had sampled had at least one white host. He um, also showed that two-thirds, 66%, had a white male host, and 18% of podcasts had a non-white host. He's got some charts and graphs and things like that here, but ultimately um, it it came out from looking at these charts that uh, you could see there's like a line graph here, and he's got the different things, you know, different colors for each, uh, white male, white female, non-white male, non-white female, um, yeah. number of U.S. podcasts hosted by at least one, and the uh, white males right up there at the top, and the rest yeah. are kind of towards the bottom still. Um, the other interesting thing that he noted is that, um, according to data reported by the Pew Research Center, non-whites in the U.S. represented about 13% of newspaper and radio employees in 2013, and about 22% of local television employees. So it's it's kind of a, a problem. <laughs> There's not a lot of diversity here. Um, the 18% of podcasts that he you know, had with at least one non-white host, uh, which is not the same number as non-white podcasters, but it's kind of a, he's using an approximation, so it's somewhere in the middle. Um, but the thing that he also wanted to point out here in his article um, is that the non-white population of the U.S. is only 23%. So he thinks, if that's accurate... Uh, if that's an accurate number, 23%, he seems yeah. to think that um, it's not so strange that the majority of podcasters seem to be hosted by white people and predominantly yeah. men. Now, I don't know where he got that particular stat from, but um, is it really just 23%? I mean, I would thought it would be larger. 
um, I don't know, but it's an interesting, you know, at least you can see like, okay, here's the, the problem he wanted to solve. Here's how he went about trying to gather data for it. You know, it's kind of, um, yeah, you could kind of at least see where he was going with it in some actual statistics, you know, right. I'm not sure though. I mean, I'm not sure, like, you know, I don't know that it's, you know, the non-white population of the U S is only 23%. Hmm. Is that right though? I mean, I don't know. And I'm not sure what non-white means. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's kind of odd because, like, what is non-white? I mean, is it a person, like, what if, there are a lot of people who have mixed heritages, you know, I I guess for lack of a better phrase, you know, where one parent might fall under his category of white and one parent would not. So, you know, the offspring would have both, you know, like President Obama has a white parent and an African parent. Is he non-white? You know, I mean, how are we following that? I don't know how he particularly charted that one. But overall, even though he's done all this data and gathered all these stats and all these things, I don't think it's surprising that the majority of people that are doing and that are hosting podcasts are white men. Yeah. It started off that way. Right. And, you know, there is some push now. Like I'm seeing more and more podcasts uh, with women as hosts with to use the phrase in this article, non-white hosts, you know, which I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the reason he did it, like I said, he, he had responded to uh, another article that was talking about, um, you know, diversity being a problem in podcasting. And I, th- I think he, if, if his stats are right and his numbers are right and all of that, and I have, I'm not going to go and like check it all and everything, but if, if everything that he's presented here is right, um, then there is a diversity problem. Yeah. You know, to some degree. Well, sure. I've noticed that in all of the online groups that I participate in in relation to podcasting, which I think covers most of the the larger ones, you know, for most of that time up until today, by far I see more posts and replies and interaction from you know someone that's like me a white male than anyone else now i will say that i've been on just about every you know relatively popular online podcasting forum for as long as the medium has existed going back to things like podcast alley podcast pickle that's a long time uh, the old uh yahoo podcasters group which isn't completely dead, but it's just about there. And it's always definitely been dominated by, you know, white males. There's no question about that. There's obviously a lot to consider when we look at the way this particular writer went about, you know, gathering his own statistics. But I think the ultimate thing to consider is that while you know this medium started out being mostly produced by white males and that's definitely been the majority i think that there is a growing level of diversity and that is you know ultimately what we want i mean in a perfect world obviously i guess things would be as equal as possible but rarely are things perfect so if we can at least, I mean, I, I know from, again, just from my own really, really base experiences that I'm seeing more 
interaction online in these different groups and forms from women. And, you know, some of them would be probably described as non-white. To use to this guy's <laughs> phrase, yeah. I mean... The term here, and I know that... I'm not entirely comfortable with the phrase, but it's yeah. what the one he used, so well, it's got a purpose at least for this discussion, I and suppose. I know that at least, and, and this has really nothing to do with race or ethnicity, ethnicity so much, but uh, Rob Walsh of the Feed Podcast, and he's the uh, VP of Podcast Relations at Libsyn. Libsyn is the world's largest podcast hosting company. So he's got access to a lot of statistics there. And usually a few times a year, he'll try to run some really, really base level demographics. And one of the things that he does is he'll take the first names of all of the uh, customers that are signed up for accounts with Libsyn. And he creates a statistic based on gender. And, you know, this is really, again, base level stuff, but he just takes very typical names that, you know, sort of sounds like a, a what would be considered a typical male name or a typical female name. And, through that, he sort of comes up with a percentage. And I believe his most recent count, uh, he found that, you know, very, again, typical sounding names for women were coming in around a little over 20%. And that's up from, you know, years past where it's been somewhere between 10 and 15. So again, that's a very non-scientific approach. But, you know, with this statistics that are available or the the data that's available, it at least shows that while the medium is being dominated in terms of producers by men, uh, the number of, of women is increasing. So we can only assume so much as we can that that's going to have some carryover to the whole racial, you know, ethnic thing as well. And, and this won't be always entirely dominated by white men. Well, it should, it should shift because right. you want diversity. Yeah. And pretty much everything. But in terms of podcasts, I mean, you want to hear from different voices, you know? Yeah. You need it for different perspectives and, and all of that. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it would get kind of boring if it was, I know, I know I was around towards the beginning of podcasting, you know, working right. on stuff and uh, podcasting with you and podcasting with others and myself, by myself as well. Um, but, you know, I know it was mostly Ben way back in the yeah. day, you know, and I'm thinking even 2007, which is not the beginning of podcasting, um, when I was doing a solo show and I was doing a show with you and I think I was doing other shows as well. Um, and anytime there was a like a group of people on a podcast, I was usually the only girl. You know? Right, and it's you know it didn't bother me, but now I'm seeing more, you know, and yeah. I'm starting to see more of uh, an effort made by uh, podcast events to select women as you know speakers or to select people who aren't white as speakers and to get a lot of diversity in there that you wouldn't have seen back in the day. Yeah, so there's a step in the right direction, but right. I thought it was an interesting article. And, you know, at least he said how he got his 
his numbers, which that's true. You know, it's different than just saying, "Oh, well, everyone I listen to is you know, most people I listen to are white male, so that must be the majority." Yeah, he actually went and tried to get some numbers, you know, so give him credit for that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone's really surprised by the outcome. No, you know, no. But if he wanted numbers, he's got them. Yeah. So the next article we have here is by Stephen Lacey, and it was posted on New Republic, and it's called The End of the Dark Ages of Podcasting. So well done, everyone. We're out of the dark ages. I feel like we need uh, some, you know, fanfare with uh, horns, uh, trumpets of some kind. So we're we're officially now out of the dark ages of podcasting. It's only taken us, uh, what, 10, 11 years? Something like that, yeah. So... I mean, if you figure, it started around 2005 or so? Uh, late 2004. Late 2004, so, yeah, somewhere around there. So, yeah, it's taken about right. a decade. <laughs> yeah. A little over. And there is some interesting stuff in this article, and then there's some stuff that I got to say kind of makes me roll my eyes a little bit. And I noticed as we were going through the articles to cover today, that this particular article had also been cross-posted on another site called The Timber with a completely different name, but it was a word-for-word reprint. Completely, so yeah. I'm when, going to assume that that was allowed. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. it looked like it was, oh, yes, you have my permission, but like the headers were the same, the last yes. you know, sentence was the same, yes. all of these things. So it was in, you, know, you can find this particular uh, thing we're staring at right now in more than one place. And anytime I see something like that, you know, part of the, the the warning system in my brain, I guess, goes from green to yellow because I start to wonder if someone, be it a person or group, is trying to push forward some agenda. I don't know. And I'm going to interrupt for two seconds oh, here. Sure, At the ahead. bottom of this uh, page here, I didn't notice this until right now. So we are looking at the article in the New Republic, but at the bottom of the article in the New Republic, it says that it was originally published on the Timber. Okay. So I'll just stick both of them in the show notes, and you can take your pick. Yeah. So whatever the case is, apparently it showed up on the Timber first. That's fine. But, but it's still again, in two places. You know. It's it's the exact same article, and I mean we know all the reasons that stuff gets of course, cross posted. Yeah. But anyway, just to talk about the article a little bit and. As I said, there are some good points to it, but the overall theme is the writer is trying to say that because the, the the original article when it was posted on the timber was saying that, you know, we're not really in a podcasting renaissance. We're just sort of coming out of, uh, you know, the dark ages, as it says here, mm-hmm. because there has been a lot of rhetoric, for lack of a better term, that, hey, you know, 2014, 2015, this was the podcast renaissance and huge resurgence of podcasting. Podcasting was practically dead. No one was doing it. It was on no one's radar. But look at the huge, you know, resurgence. And he, uh, Stephen Lacey here, is, is saying, hold up. We're not really quite in the renaissance yet. We're just coming out of the dark ages. And he's talking in here a lot about podcast discovery mm-hmm. and the problems inherent there and the podcasting is still very driven by all these different platforms iTunes etc 
and that producers are still having trouble trying to kind of find their audiences because of all these different platforms and there isn't really kind of a centralized oh you go here to discover podcasts because even They're though all over the place now there yeah. are these dominant platforms iTunes still being the largest one iTunes doesn't reach everywhere so there's some valid points there but anytime i see someone talking about the discovery problem in podcasting my assumption is at some point they're going to suggest that there is a bright and shiny solution just over the horizon and one of the things that they talk about in here is that uh, panoply network which is the podcast network that was launched by slate last year uh, is apparently working on a new in-house podcast uh, distribution system, what have you, at least for the producers on its network. It's a little unclear as to whether or not you know, they're going to open this up wider, but it did kind of make me go, okay, maybe that is what they're trying to push here. So... Right, and it, it mentions Howl, which is the uh, so-called Netflix of podcasting. If you remember that breathless article from Fast Company when uh, Earwolf slash Midroll announced its Howl app, so you know uh, there 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 are again some valid points in here, but I just my. I'm I'm too I'm I'm probably really what I realize when I read these kind of articles is I've either need to reassess my own outlook and not be so old and jaded about things or uh I don't know find something else to care about because what we're really going to see I think in the next couple of years in podcasting is there's going to be a push by players that have money to create new platforms and systems that ultimately favor their products to try and push that out. And that's just the nature of 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 everything. You know, that's what we're going to see, of course, you know. And we're going to see, I think, um, some of these new, you know, platforms we're talking about start off not with... People have been, you know, quietly podcasting since the beginning and not with people who are brand new and, you know, getting into it and have something interesting to say because just because you're new doesn't mean your content isn't good. You know, I mean, it could be. Um, I think we're going to see celebrities. You know, we're going to see comedians. We're going to see, you know, celebrities. Yeah, well, that's... You know, we're going to see that kind of thing. And I think that's... This is just a guess. I have no evidence. But... Um, I think we're going to see here's here is my brand new podcasting platform. Why don't you all join it and come listen to shows? And here's all the well-known names that, you know, people that are already famous that we have on our site, you know? Well, and that- I kind of feel like, you know, if that's if that's what's, you know, some of that sort of goes on now, um if that's the future. Podcast one. Right. <laughs> then um you know, how much chance do you have as just a regular person doing a podcast if you have to now compete? You know, at the start of a new site that's advertising, look at these famous people we have. How well is your show going to do on their platform? Well, and you know? and that's really the thing that I think we all 
kind of struggle with, you know, it used to be you were competing with forces that were more or less on the same level as you. But when these big companies come in, and I, I think the the Howl app from Earwolf slash Midroll is a a fair thing to consider here because what they're doing is they're not saying we want to have an app that has everything in it and we want you to be able to access everything. What we're saying is this is an app that has our content that we made or content that we're licensing and that's all that's here. And you can get all of that you want, but if you want to say pull in you know, your your favorite podcast from another app, you're not going to be able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that continued siloing is going to, I think, be the next logical progression, for better or worse, in this medium. And how that has any direct effect to probably most of the people who might be listening to this podcast, it doesn't have a lot, but it's just something, I guess, those of us like like me... If you're like me, and if you are, I'm sorry, but if you are like me (laughs) and you have this kind of bit of a chip on your shoulder, you know, we're the ones that are going to have to take some time and and work on, you know, our acceptance. We're going to need to uh, do some, uh, you know, meditation, I don't know, take some yoga classes, whatever you need to do to realize that our our wonderful old medium as we've known it is growing and changing and and this is the way it's going so so here's my nightmare based on everything we've been talking about uh-huh okay if what we're saying turns out to be accurate that you're going to have a bunch of these different little like companies that have here's all our stuff but you can't get anything but our stuff you know you have to go somewhere else to get somebody else's stuff. We don't want to pr- promote that. We, we're not going to put that on our thing. This is just our stuff. And you've got like a dozen of these little guys, or maybe even big guys, as it turns out, um, with here's just our stuff, like we were talking about. You know, Are we going to end up with like sort of um, the problem we have with cable channels, you know? Like I really like this one podcast, and it's on this yes, you know big person's happen. you know big person's uh, well, platform, and at- I don't like anything else. But I don't want to buy the app because I only like this one podcast. Can I get it somewhere else? No, you can't. Look you know? at what the online video streaming services are doing because you know Netflix is a great example because they just started out with this whole online streaming thing was kind of a toss off idea that actually turned out to be a real hit for them. And the problem that they were running into is they were running out of content because they were relying on the stuff that was being created by, you know, the the Hollywood studios and the TV networks and whatnot. And they couldn't get rights to stream everything right away. So people were saying, hey, Netflix, I've watched everything on you. I'm canceling my subscription. Now, how anyone ever reaches that point? Well, they mean me. everything that they're interested yes, in. Yes, that's true. You know? That's true. I get mm-hmm. it. But I, I saw, I mean, I know I saw within the last few years, more than one person tweet, I've watched everything on Netflix, I'm canceling. So I get that. So Netflix is now in this mode where it's producing its own stuff to try to keep people, you know, holding on to their subscriptions and what they're finding is, in a lot of cases, that's a better avenue for them because they create it in-house and they own it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and I don't know 
if stuff like Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, or any of these other shows that are Netflix originals, I don't know if those are available on DVD. I don't know if you can walk into a Best Buy and buy those. But I have no idea. For the most part, if you want to see those shows, you've got to sign up for Netflix and watch them. So I know with the plan that they have in motion with the Howl app, one of the things they said is we want to be able to create original content that will live in the app that we don't have to worry about monetizing through advertising because it's stuff that would be harder to distribute on that model and make money. So there's definitely going to be stuff that they're going to produce, and it might be shorter series, one-offs, what have you, that's going to live in that app, and there's not going to be any way to get to it you know, legally without paying for access to the app. So podcasting, ostensibly, since the beginning, has been an open market. Now, there have always been things like premium podcasts and, you know, uh, club, you know, podcasts would start a fan club type thing and have, you know, bonus stuff on the side. That's always existed. But there's something a little different about this kind of model. And I want to (laughs) say... We have really tangented off of the article we started on. So we did, yeah. But so, you know, sometimes you got to start with something. It doesn't. You know? I, I don't. I, the the article that that Stephen Lacey wrote here doesn't really. We've. I mean, it, it references Howell, and we kind of have riffed off of that. We have, but, yeah. But but the, it's a, that's not the main topic of the article. But like no, I said, I will not. put both versions of the article into the show notes so people yeah. can can sort through and see exactly. We did kind of go you know into a conversation about it, but that's kind of what this show is for, you know. And and. So some of the some of the valid points that he talks about here, you know, there needs to be better publishing and sharing tools and all this kind of stuff for podcasters. And he talks to Parviz from Clamor. I mean, there's some really good stuff in here. It's mm-hmm. worth it's worth your read. Right. Just realize that if you're old and cynical and jaded like me, you're going to see some things in here that are going to make you kind of go, okay. So let's move on to the next. Well, thing. no, I want to do one thing from it sure, first. Sure. Um, there's this little concept in here that I thought was interesting when I first read this. When iTunes launched its podcasting service, I'm reading from the article, there was no streaming Netflix, no Kindle. True. YouTube had been in existence for four months. True. And the smartest phone on the market was a BlackBerry. BlackBerry, yeah. That's where it started, okay? Yes. That's where iTunes launched its podcasting service. And he's kind of saying here that they really haven't done a lot with it you know, since then this is true. to upgrade. And I thought that was kind of significant because if that's like the biggest one for people finding it and it's not sort of keeping up with the times, um, that's kind of a problem. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, but I also thought it was interesting to look back and be like, wow, when we all started doing this, um, well, maybe not all of us, but when podcasting started happening, that's where the world was as far as the type of tech you would need to get a hold of, you know, audio content or yeah. video content, that kind of thing. Well, I guess Kindle would be even just visual content, but um, that's where it was. No streaming Netflix, no Kindle. YouTube had been in existence for four months, and the smartest phone on the market was a BlackBerry. That's where podcasting started, or at least I'm, iTunes started. Podcasting started before that. I'm. I feel. I feel like I'm being schooled a little bit because I didn't know that YouTube actually went back to 2005. I thought it went back to 2006. So that's kind of interesting. Anyway, next. Yeah, I please. just thought that Let's was interesting. Let's go to the next thing. This is supposed <laughs> yes. to be. These shows are supposed to be short. I know. And we're already, oh, well, come on. We can't not be at 27 minutes already. So let's go. Let's go. Let's okay, go. Okay, okay. So next up, 
This is from uh, the Omni Media blog. It's called How We Got M, that's a first name, M, E-M, Ruscianos Podcast to the top of the iTunes chart and how you can do it too. So uh, this Omni Media is a company. They launched a podcast for this M. Ruciano. Now this is uh, very Australia-centric. So if you haven't heard of M. Ruciano, uh, you can join. You probably don't the, live in Australia. <laughs> uh, you probably don't live in Australia right. and you can join another club I'm in. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah. In December of last year, they launched a podcast for M. Ruciano, and uh, they go through the process here of how they produce the show, and some of this is real nuts and bolts stuff that you know could be interesting, but there's nothing here that's real groundbreaking. They talk about you know the mic they used. They used a, a Zoom uh, preamp. They used a MacBook Air to record, and they recorded it apparently with GarageBand. Right, and, and they, they talked about that they actually to get music. They you know basically um, commissioned someone to yes. write a piece instead of trying to find something pod safe, which has gotten harder lately. Yes. Um, so you know that's they they commissioned someone. They commissioned an artist for the uh, the show. Um, icon, I guess, right, the you know, artwork. the artwork, yes. uh, to make it look really good. You know, they did that. I think that's something that not everyone thinks about, you know, right. with when you start a new show. So that's in there. So somebody new could just sort of like, you know, walk through this, do all these things and hope for the best, you know? Well, and this is where, I mean, I think this is all valid information and I'm sure it'll be useful. And in indeed, as they point out, you know, they, they did get a pretty high placement in iTunes. I don't know if it, I don't remember the exact placement. It doesn't I don't matter. Know. But they do kind of a, a TLDR at the end, you know, lessons for every podcaster. This is some solid information. Be organized. Uh, consider recording multiple episodes before launching. That's not That's a bad technique. Smart. That's really smart. Make your I've podcast. I've never done that with a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've I, been in a lot of podcasts and I've never done that. I just I start. I haven't and, done it either. Yeah. And it's a good idea provided, you know, the content you're creating lends itself to that approach. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, make your podcast feel personal. Good advice. Uh, create this is interesting and i don't see a lot of people do this and it kind of lends itself over to the point about uh, recording multiple episodes before launch create teaser clips and post them on facebook as native video that's fairly and new that kind of ties into something we talked about on the last show right. the article about hey could facebook be the next big platform uh, make your artwork look great that's always smart uh, iTunes is still the best platform to promote, and what they're saying here is... Send your people. Go get us on iTunes. Right. Is get what they're people saying. to subscribe to you yes. in iTunes as opposed to just say, hey, go to my website and pick and choose your way there. Right. Well, if the goal was to get you know high up on iTunes, well, then you need people to go to iTunes. This is true. You know? This is true. Mm -hmm. The I say I don't care how many things that there are written out there about how to... You know, reach the reach the ultimate top of the ultimate side of the ultimate iTunes everything. I think for the most part that process is still very much guesswork. But one thing that seems to stand true: if you want to rank high in iTunes, you need to get a lot of different people via different devices clicking the subscribe button in either the iTunes desktop app or the iOS podcast app. Now, there's a couple of things about this article that are more implied than they are immediately said, and this is where 
these kind of things always become a challenge for the newer slash independent or podcasters out there. Again, the type of people I suspect are probably listening to this show. And that is that this uh, this person, uh, M. M. Rusciano, uh, she has a background in commercial radio in Australia. She has a dedicated fan base. Right. And these are things that most of us, when we start out, don't have. We don't have. have. And she also started her first episode with an Australian comedian named Joel, Joel Creasy, who I don't know because I don't really pay attention to a lot of comedians in the way that others do. And I'm not from Australia. But it appears the way they're presenting it in this article is that this is a name people would know. Yeah. And that was her first episode. So just keep that in mind, you know, some useful tips there. But uh, as is so often the case in life, if you can have a fan base before you start a new thing, it pays off. So I think we've said enough on that. Jen, what's next? Okay, so to sort of balance the first article I started with, I have another article. Uh, This one's from Bustle. It was written by Courtney Lindley, and it is titled, Eight Podcasts Prove That Women Dominated the Podcast Game in 2015. And so it's, of course, mentioning Serial and several other things as well. Um, But it was kind of saying, uh, let's see if I can pull a quote really quick. But um, the audience for female-driven podcasts is clearly getting louder. People want to hear that, according to this article. And I think that's true, too. Um, You know, you need diversity and all of this. And uh, so Serial is the number one on iTunes. This American Life is staff. The staff is composed of 13 females and seven males and sometimes features female journalists. Um, And there's a shift going on. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a shift going on. So she mentions a few. Serial, of course, you know what that is. Criminal is another one that's been named. Um, and there's a few others in here. NPR's Invisibilia. Invisibilia. That one. Invisibilia. <laughs> yes. And uh, the Death, Sex, and Money podcast with Anna Sale is in here. And I know she is going to be a speaker for Podcast Movement 16 under the business section of that um so i mean this is you know, these are well-known people another round we've talked about many times that's a great yeah, show yeah. Uh, some of these i don't know but those are some that i've heard of and can kind of point out and go okay i'm familiar with this at least so um it depends you know and in putting these two articles the one i started with and this one here together it's like okay so if you're trying to confirm to yourself or to whoever reads or listens to your creative endeavors um you know is it men or women that's dominating podcasting you know you've got two views here you've got we can go with stats of how many numbers or we can say whose podcast do most people recognize the name of right now you know yeah and there's no real answer to as which is you know which is better or which is correct or whatever um it's just different views so i thought it was interesting to kind of bring in two different views on um you know just who's doing podcasting right Okay, well, our last item here is called Making Story-Driven Podcasts on a Budget. And it was posted on Medium by, well, the account is called Wooden Overcoats. Now, I had to see what that is. I clicked on their profile, and Wooden Overcoats is a Daily Telegraph top storytelling podcast And in case you're not sure, they go on to tell us that it is uh, in parentheses here, alongside Serial, The Moth, and Night Vale. There you go. So, uh, they're... uh, Those are three very different podcasts, Serial, The Moth, and Night Vale. Well, Wooden Overcoats is uh, apparently in the same class as them. Okay, At least according to their bio on Medium. And again, uh, apparently this is uh, produced 
through in conjunction with as part of the Daily Telegraph. So already starting off on a platform that most of us wouldn't get. So my survey of this or my take on it is, okay, is there anything in here that's particularly useful to you know, uh, the, the rest of us? I found one thing that I thought was very useful. And that is? And that is they had, at, at some point in this article, they're talking about there was um, like vents, like for air conditioning, uh-huh. right next to where they were recording and not far from the microphone. Okay. And they couldn't, they were in some location where they didn't have control of turning off the air conditioning. So um, they were talking about like, you know, I can't remember exactly what they did, but like putting something over it, like putting pillows or something over the vents. I don't remember if that's exactly what they used, but that kind of concept of if you yeah. can't shut it off, maybe you can shut it up, you know, kind of thing, yeah. um, which is just me paraphrasing. Uh, that's not in the article, but I thought that was interesting because, oh, here it is. Yeah, they had to use gaffer tape. Uh, they had to gaffer tape cushions over the air conditioning vents, which they couldn't shut off. So I thought that's something people could use because you're going to have people at home um, right. You know, in warm weather where their house needs the air conditioning, their family's probably in the house somewhere and needs Fair it. Fair enough, yeah. And you can't shut off the air conditioning while, you know, mom or dad is podcasting and expect everyone just to, you know, die of the heat. So that's a possibility. You could, like, tape, you know, cushions over the air vents in uh, the air conditioning vents in the room you podcast in. I think that's a useful thing. Yeah. So, you know, there is some useful stuff in here about mic placement and, you know, what if you have to record multiple voices in one room and you're sort of working on a budget. But the fact of the matter is, just scrolling through this article, looking at the photos in here, you know, this is a group that has access to some facilities that most of us probably would not. Now, there is another thing in here that I thought was slightly intriguing that could be useful if you are looking to produce a podcast and you yourself either A, are not very technically literate when it comes to producing audio and then B, are not interested at all in learning about it. And they talk about how in a lot of cases you can repurpose a music studio to become a spoken word studio and they give you some ideas on how you can do that. And I mean, this kind of probably seems like a no brainer, but part of the point that they're trying to say here is you may know someone, there are a lot of project and kind of pocket music studios all over the place because, you know, the equipment is so inexpensive now, uh, bedroom studios, you might call them. So if you live somewhere and you're like, well, I really want to produce a podcast and I don't have the money to go into a full production house situation, but I really want to do this and I have some money to spend, well, you might find someone in your area who's got, you know, a small project studio that they put together primarily to do music production for whatever reason. And it's not a huge stretch to convert that to something with spoken word. And the likelihood is whomever owns the equipment, you know, for a fee, you're going to have to pay something, will kind of sit in and, and, and do the basic engineering for you. So I thought that was an interesting concept, one that I would not have thought of myself, mainly because I've had my own project studios for 20 years. So it's still kind of worth, uh, you know, it's, it's worth a, 
a look over, just realize it again. They're coming from a place where they've got resources through the telegraph that most of us probably aren't going to have when we're first starting out. So, Okay. Anything else? Uh, any any more thoughts you want to share on any of these? No, I just, the, the idea of taping things over the events just stuck with me. I thought that was incredibly yeah, useful. Yeah, uh, it, it could be a very uh, useful tip in certain situations. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Podcaster News Show, episode number 26. And you can find us online, podcasternews.com. We'd love to hear from you. There are comment sections below our episodes as well as uh, every blog post. And um, I, I, will, uh, I will warn you that if you're a first-time commentator, the website will ask us to approve you first, so don't panic. We uh, always approve comments that are real. Of course, if you're a spam bot, uh, you probably won't get very far. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shawno. That's uh, at S-H-A-W-N-O. And how about you, Jen? I'm also on Twitter at Queen of Haiku, just like you'd think. Q-U-E-E-N-O-F-H-A-I-K-U, because I write a lot of haiku. And I have been this month quite a bit. Um, it's, uh, it's a private account. So if you want to follow me, kind of give me some indication as to who you are, and that'll make things go a lot better. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. And with any luck, we'll be back with you at the end of January to bring you more stuff like this from the world of podcasting. Bye, people. 